This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Us, a show dedicated to bringing real help to real couples. I'm your host, Melanie Studley. What's up, guys? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and together we are high-performance marriage coaches. We are cutting through the bullcrap and creating a movement of happy, healthy, badass couples all over the world. Let's go! Hello and welcome to Foovember 2.0. Yeah. Come on. We're here to celebrate you, your family, your mama, your daddy, everybody. Or maybe not, because, you know, we come from families that are sometimes kind of messed up. And the more information we have on this, the better equipped we can be to go through the holidays with success and get closer to differentiation ourselves thus creating healthier, happier, stronger, awesome relationships. Amen, sister. Amen to that. I just did preach. I prot. Um, If you're new to our show, welcome. Uh, So Foovember is in its second year. We did this last year. It was our launch of Foovember. It was a big smash hit where we talk all about family of origin, which is what Foo stands for. And today we are going to talk about what my family tree says about me. Me. And we're going to talk about genograms. First of all, We'll do some definition. What the heck is FOO? Mm-hmm. FOO stands for family of origin. That is the family, biological or not biological, that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Who were you around the most? Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunties, uncles, brothers, sisters. You are a product of your family of origin. Uh, you That is the university of relationships. You take into effect culture, how you did things, finances. It's like where discipline. you learn how to be who you are. Like, how do you treat people? How do you treat people who have money or don't have money, who are Mm. healthy or unhealthy? How do you talk to women? How do you talk to men? Like, what do you do at Thanksgiving? What do you do when you enter a house? Do you hug? Do you not hug? Do you you say good job? Yeah. It's all the, it's where you learn everything. Everything. (laughs) Everything. Um, So today, so in, in therapy and so I'm, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. And one of the things we learned in the initial intake, when you go to a new therapist, a family systems therapist, that is, they're going to ask you a bunch of questions. They're going to get your whole picture. They're going to get the diagram of the family of origin you came from, because then I know who who is sitting in front of me. And the mm-hmm. more information that I know that I have as a therapist, it is like having a huge garage full of tools. Oh, you got a flat tire? You need a tire changer for that. You need a you need a, a tire changer. Yeah, yeah. Is that a tool? A tire changer, yeah. Um, or if I'm gonna work on my transmission, okay, I gotta have stuff to pull out the training and all this other stuff. It is uh the, the more tools you have, the better job you can do, right? Mm-hmm. As a therapist, the more tools I have about your history, your family history, all that stuff, the better I can assess mm-hmm. who you are, how I can help you, right? And the more information you have as a client's guess what you're going to be able to do? You're going to be able to navigate your own feelings, your own emotions, and help others navigate their own feelings and emotions. And the reason we do Foovember in November and December is why, Mel? It's right before the holiday seasons. And mm-hmm. if you live in the United States, uh, that's a time where loads of people are getting together with family 
they're seeing things, they're like experiencing, you know, you're coming back together and you're like, wow, my family's weird. Why do we do this? Or why that do we do that? Messed up. And we we want to be able to like talk about it, dissect it, give you tools and resources and all that. And I want to say mm. really quick caveat before we start. It is actually October 31st in our real world right now. That's why I have spider webs around my eyes. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're like, what is this weird goth chick doing? It's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> it's recording on Halloween. Right. So um, a couple of days after Thanksgiving, uh, Halloween. So yeah. Yeah. Give us give us a moment, peeps. It was just funny. I just thought it was funny. Anyway, so you uh-huh. want to talk about the genogram, which is a therapeutic tool that Seth learned about in grad school when he was becoming a marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. And what types of things so a genogram is like a fancy family tree. Right. Well, I'm gonna read the definition. Mm-hmm. And so what I was saying when I meet families for the first time, I would have them do a genogram and I would work it through them to get a better picture of who they are, what they need, all this stuff, right? And the definition, formal definition, of a genogram, genogram, schematic diagram listing family members and their relationships, included are ages, dates of marriage, deaths, and geographic locations. It is also a timeline of the relationship conflicts, emotional reactivity, relationship cutoffs, and triangles, which gives context to your current family situation. And there's a couple key areas, and I'm just going to go through it. And this is like a family tree, you know, oh, my grandma immigrated from so-and-so or like my people have been here for thousands of years. If you happen to be native in the U.S. or whatever, this gives you context to your history. Like history matters. Um, If history isn't studied, it is bound to repeat itself. That's what my eighth eighth grade teacher used to say all the time. History repeats itself. What's your eighth grade teacher's name? Miss Crossland. She had a big hump on her back. Okay. I'm not sure what that was, but we were in eighth grade and she may or may have not gotten made fun of, but she was super nice. No, she wasn't. She was so mean. She would tear you down. She was super mean. Switched real fast. So, okay, here's a little history. And I think we talked about this about a year ago in the first Foovember. But in grad school, I did my whole genogram, right? You go back as far as you can think. You ask a bunch of questions. Mm -hmm. Um... And you you map it out. And in mine, in my family of origin, there were like 18 cousins, uncles, aunties, moms, dads, grandmas, family members of where I came from who were affected by drugs and alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. And there there's an actual thing that we'll we'll talk about when Mm -hmm. I when I show you guys how to do a genogram. So because I know that, what do you think I should look out for? in my current life, in my relationships, and in my kids' relationships. Addictive tendencies. Addictive behaviors, mm-hmm. right? Like coping mechanisms, or not only coping mechanisms, but like, oh, wait a minute. So what, what Dr. Gabor Mate talks about, all addictive behaviors are the result of some type of trauma. Mm-hmm. Little T, big T, it doesn't matter, right? It's all we're, we're all trying to do the best we can. We're all trying to cope with something. So, and this just came to me actually, and it's not like, oh, great, there's a bunch of like drug-affected people in my family. What that tells me is, wait a minute, there are a lot of unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. And I never right. thought of that before, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I've thought about it, but not in this context. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, wait a minute, people got some stuff, people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I'm sure if you look back in your family, especially, you know, crazy Uncle Joe's coming to Thanksgiving or Auntie Sue or Sally or whoever. I just named you both Auntie Sue. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, they got some stuff, right? And once you have information around this stuff, it's going to be easier for you to go, oh, mm-hmm. okay, I think that's playing out with Auntie right now. Well, not it, in a judgy way. Right. This does not give you permission it's to be like, data. I learned the genogram. I yeah. gave you a piece of crap. 
Yeah, it's just really like data points. You're collecting data on mm-hmm. your family and going, what does this tell me if I can look through all of my family tree or my genogram or whatever and I see all this addiction? Mm-hmm. That's it's it's literally just awareness. And awareness is sort awareness. of the first step of, oh, maybe I should be out on the lookout for that. And another thing that made me think too is that um, oftentimes addiction can be seen as like, that was your coping mechanism for a problem at one point, mm-hmm. right? So it not only are you on the lookout for like, oh, addictive behavior, but also if you know that addiction is in your family because you've done a genogram or a family tree exercise, then instead of just saying, oh, better look out for behavioral or addictive behavioral things, you can also say better put in a bunch of new ways to cope with things, right. better put in new coping strategies, new like uh, work on emotional intelligence, work on like, how do I deal with this frustration? How do I, whatever, like it also, it's not just look out for these bad things. It's put in these good things to mm. help sort of buffer from the bad things. And know? parents listen up. If mm. you are a parent, take extreme notice mm. of your relationship with your grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunties, and also your mom or dad, because, because, <laughs> boo, boo, boo. <laughs> Got Halloween on the mind. We're going trick-or-treating tonight, which is, I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Anyway, take real notice of your relationship with your own parents and see how that is playing out or not playing out and the similarities between that relationship you have with your mom or dad in with your kids. And what you're creating with your kids. What you're creating Mm -hmm. with your kids. As a therapist, I find this one of the most fascinating tenets. Like, we tend to... uh, repeat history, right? And if we don't know, then we can't know better, mm-hmm. right? So well, this, we, consider this information right. of like, okay, I'm learning about this stuff. I'm going right. to be more aware of it. And I will say like, so repeat history, it's, we say often we go to what we know. Mm-hmm. So even if we didn't like a thing, we go to it. So let's say you saw your dad when you were growing up and he would just come home from work. He was exhausted. He would yell at the kids and then he'd crack open a beer. And un- you might find yourself all of a sudden behaving exactly like that because it's something you're actually comfortable with, which is weird. It's a weird concept when you start to realize that we go to what we know, we repeat the things that we are comfortable with, even if they're uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. So I know that's kind of a weird way of saying and it. And it's but. just human tendency. Like you guys know that we have dogs, Australian shepherds and stuff, and say that if we got a dog that he slept on concrete floor, a concrete mm-hmm. floor every single night, right? And we adopted him, you know, he did that for two years. And we said, hey, come on, buddy, come inside to your nice warm blanket in front of the fireplace. Mm-hmm. He would stand at the, at the back door knowing, not knowing, oh, do I go right. in? Because when I go into this comfortable, healthy environment... I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It reminds me of that scene in Shawshank Redemption when the guy gets out. He's mm-hmm. been in prison for like 40 years. He was institutionalized. He gets out, doesn't know what to do. He's like, I don't know any of this, mm-hmm. so I'm going to go back to what we know. But you're going back to a prison? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's comforting. Right. It is going to what we know. Right. So let's dive right in. Ready? Yes, I am. All right. So there are a couple of actual shapes and signs to represent certain things in the genogram. So I'm going to start off with one. I'm going to make a fictional family, a fictional, this is a complete fictional situation, right? The Studleys. The, <laughs> Melanie and her family. Let's go. <laughs> We'll start back in White Earth, Minnesota. No. So, okay. Uh, a square represents a male. So, we got grandpa Sexist. here. Sexist. Just kidding. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm just joking. Okay. Grandpa. 
gets married to grandma. A circle is a female, right? And oftentimes we put a little M with a period in 1932. Okay, they got married in 1932, right? So they had, so then right here you go, okay, they had a boy, they had a girl, and then they had another girl. Okay, male, female, female, right? Oh, guess what? Grandma, dead, she died. And then I would put D, you know, 1983 or something like that. But over here, uh-oh, grandpa had a drinking problem. Does that line represent a drinking problem? Yep, you, you do a line and then you shade it in here. A line and uh, shade in can also represent mental health uh, issues and major trauma. So, oh, say that grandma over here also had a major trauma. She was... Um, I don't know. Abuse. S something bad happened right. to grandma, right? So, okay, something bad happened to grandma. Grandma, because something bad happened to her when she was young, and we would note this. This may, Sometimes it's hard to get information after people are deceased, but then you can talk to your mom or your family to get more information. Because grandma was abused by a man, let's just say a man, guess what? Her relationship, which is indicated by a squiggly line with her son, very conflictual. Grandma hated men mm. because of that. Okay? That was an issue that happened to her. She didn't deal with it. It perpetuated itself in her relationship to her son. So squiggly line equals con Conflictual relationship, right? Between two people. Between two people. Now, here's where we get into the psychological stuff. Because grandma hated men, conflictual relationship with son, guess what, that, guess what kind of relationship that created with... Uh, grandpa and his daughters. Oh, three lines equals fused. Very good. But guess what? Grandpa liked the middle daughter more than the last daughter. So now here's a squiggly line of distant. So there's all kinds of representations here. And once I fill it out, you're going to go, oh, okay. You mean a polka dotty line. A polka dotty, a polka dotty line. So grandpa <laughs> had a polka dotty line. This is clinical speak, guys. I don't know if you know this or not, okay? <laughs> A polka dotty line <laughs> with Hermione over here. <laughs> Put an H there, Hermione. Uh, well, <laughs> do I, it because it's funny. I don't know. I don't know what age Hermione is, but so now. No, I said an H. Oh, not an, an H. H. Okay, H. this is Hermione, right? Hermione. So now we are creating what Grandpa we call Grandpa Voldemort. <laughs> Voldemort V. Voldemort drank a lot, so he's kind of messed up. <laughs> so now we're we're creating a a family constellation. Now you can assume, and the therapist wouldn't assume this, I would ask very targeted, detailed questions of, hmm, okay, so what was it like growing up for you? Well, mom and dad were conflictual. Voldemort and grandma. <laughs> I don't know how we just got to Harry Potterville, but we did. Okay, so here we have grandma and grandpa and the kids here. Okay, dad gets married to, dad moves to Washington. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, and marries M. Melnor. <laughs> What's the dad's name? I don't know. Seth. Seth and Melnor. <laughs> right. So again, this is our names, but they're... they're it's uh, not true. It's, it's not true, right? So, okay, they have a girl. Seth's grandfather. Seth's dad was not Voldemort. No, he wasn't. And then they have a boy, right? So well, how do you think, because Seth had a conflictual relationship with mom, mm -hmm. and he knows about that because he did work and went to therapy, he is going to actively do what he can, listen to Anatomy of Us podcast, <laughs> And try to create a really close relationship with his wife, 
right? And he's seen the conflict here in his family of origin, and now he's not going to perpetuate any of that. But sometimes there's trouble and there's a little bit of conflict, which usually that happens in most relationships, right? So I could go down and do like your side of the family, since assuming maybe this is mine, Mm -hmm. your side of the family. So I would list aunties, uncles. Okay, what what did they do for jobs? Mm -hmm. Were they independent? Did they graduate high school? Were they the first to go to college? I'm All assuming this stuff. things like income also have In, a huge... Income, culture, mm-hmm. religion, uh, growth mindset, fixed mindsets, which it, this is all, again, creating a family constellation of the more you know, the more you can grow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good that saying. That's a good one. The more you know, the more you can grow. So hopefully this gives you guys an idea of what to identify, what to look for. And there's a couple other. There's a um, conflictual relationship, fused or very close drugs, alcohol, trauma, uh, distant relationships. There's emotional cutoff. Like I know that in your family, there were emotional cutoffs, like very close family members that were like, okay, this is it. And I haven't talked to them since 1985. Mm -hmm. That is an emotional cutoff, which really, really, really can paint how you see certain people, how you see yourself, and especially how you see your spouse and your future Mm -hmm kids yeah does this make sense like mm-hmm. you as and obviously you know stuff about the genogram by proxy to mm-hmm. me do you have any questions here or can you think of any questions that listeners may have that can help them further understand genogram stuff i don't have any questions i think um i just want to point out that it again this is like data you're collecting data points and timeline stuff and really important it would be like the history of your car Right. Oh, my car. Like your what is that called? Your report, your Carfax <laughs> report or whatever. Your Carfax. You're literally just collecting this information so that you can have more awareness of like, oh, my car got rear ended in 1987. So when I go 70 on the freeway, it shakes a lot mm-hmm. like it can't handle 70 on the freeway and forget about rain in 70 on a freeway. That, right. Like you, you using the car analogy is so spot on because I think that my br- my brother bought a hurricane flood car one time. Oh, gosh. Right? So Like a hur- car that went through a hurricane and a flood? Yeah. So it was in, you know, five feet of water. The interior, you know, was just kind of like had water up to a certain point. But these cars, they get totaled by the insurance companies where with a little bit of work, you can rehab them back. But you still have a salvage title totaled car that was in a, you know, Hurricane Ida two years ago. Mm. And now it's, she's running funky. Right. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Even with my little commuter car, Sometimes there are bits of glass that I find oh, yeah. in the back seat because before I, b- I bought it used, mm-hmm. before I bought it, this wasn't on the Carfax, that's yeah. for sure. I don't mm-hmm. know how that got skipped out, but somebody busted the window and I find little shards of glass. Mm-hmm. They like for, for literal years later, yeah. like me and Hattie were cleaning out. She's like, dad, there's glass back here. Yeah, I was like, yeah, somebody busted the window before I got it. Mm-hmm. That is history. Mm-hmm. You know what but I'm saying? But it bubbles up. Like, and I think mm-hmm. again, like, you know, you're going 70 on the freeway and even just the glass in Seth's car, it happened. Uh, you've had that car for eight years or something. Yeah, a long time. You know? And so just the vibrations of the car moving, create the glass slowly crawling up. And if you mm-hmm. don't know these data points, if you don't know and don't sort of assess them and go, Oh yeah, wait, that's right. Like, grandpa and mom never talk, but when they did, it was like this. And so you can say, oh, that is conflictual. So you put like a Charlie Brown sweatshirt line, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're not watching this on YouTube, you might want to because we are drawing things literally. Yeah. I want so, you guys to see the actual yeah. diagram of a genogram because again, 
it's like a, a more detailed therapeutic psychological family evaluation that gives you information. So I want, I'm going to pop this on you. You ready for this? Okay. You're not knowing what I'm going to say. No. So I want us to think of something because I've done a genogram before. You've done the work before. Can you name one thing in your genogram that you go like, oh, wait a minute. I never thought about that, but I do see how that is affecting our relationship to this day or has affected. Can, can you name anything at all? Yeah, that's too much to think of to think of. <laughs> just just one one simple thing. What from your family of origin, your family history, sometimes oh. plays out in our family? Well, I mean, for sure, like, um, what is it called? Uh, historical trauma mm-hmm. of m- my native side. Yes. Like my grandmother's side, my dad's boarding side school, of the family, boarding school. Um, you know, she's she's passed away now, but like super dark skin, stores wouldn't, like let her shop in them. Mm-hmm. She couldn't pay with checks. They wouldn't take her money. They wouldn't, I think they wouldn't, oh, that was a different story. But like my grandmother's side of the family was, um, what would you say? I mean, they lived on a reservation. They grew up on a reservation. Yeah, so there's a level of There's like generation. they lost their home. They, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of actual generational trauma there. And I used to not understand that. It's like, well, pff, that happened a million years ago. Who cares? Right. Well, loads of people still care. And it affects, not only did it affect like even my grandma wouldn't tell me stories of her childhood really because it was there was a lot of trauma mm-hmm. in that but then on top of that it shapes how um what is it called like you see it um what is that called code switching mm-hmm. is that what it's called yeah code switching so like it shapes how people even uh show up for experiences so my grandma always was trying to be smaller stay smaller it's bad to be brown don't this don't ask me about it like and so she was the only grandmother that I knew. So I didn't know my other grandparents at all. Um, so my one relationship with my one grandmother and grandfather was, it just felt stifled forever, mm-hmm. always. And I loved them. They were the only grandparents I had, but that definitely has had this like waterfall domino effect of how my dad shows up. And then mm-hmm. because we don't have any relationship with my mom's side. My dad's side sort of flooded everything. Mm-hmm. So then the flood of the like generational trauma literally right. impacts even how I talk to you today. It's very, yes. very clear. Yeah. Peop- and, and so if you're one of those people that go, oh, past is in the past, whatever, whatever. You're yeah. dumb. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, you, you're missing a lot of information. And also on the same notes, um, we do not let we do not have to let our history define our future, like our past define our future, right? It needs to be acknowledged, uh, worked through. Mm-hmm. And e- even that, when you were talking about your grandparents and mm-hmm. stuff, I-, I can remember maybe like a couple of months ago, you found yourself grieving again for the relationship that you didn't have with your grandma because of like her attachment style and the multi-generational trauma that she experienced, mm-hmm. right? You feel sad Two months ago, because of stuff that happened 150, right. 100 years ago. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's like, it's real, people. It's, first of all, real. You have to honor it and respect it. And then again, the more you know, what are you doing? I'm looking up a quote that we shared in <laughs> women's group coaching literally today about the same thing. Sorry. The, 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 more, the more you understand it, the better equipped. It's like, literally, it's like going to school. If I want to become... Uh, a pro in a very specialized profession, right? Mm-hmm. To be to be a therapist, a counselor, you have to go to grad school. You can't go like do a trade school and like right. you know, men, 
be under somebody in their workshop for a year and then know what to do, right? It's not a trade. Mm-hmm. What's well, a different kind of trade, right? If you want to be the best husband, wife, mother, father, son, daughter, dad, whatever you can, get as much information as you can. And this is simply intelligence gathering, right? Mm-hmm. One one story that like my, my uh, you guys know this, my, my mom's side was native and grew up dirt dirt poor, like my mom, until like age eight, didn't have electricity in the house. Or running water. My own mom. Mm-hmm. No, they, she, sorry, she had electricity, but she got water from a well, mm-hmm. like a bucket and a rope. She Here. told our sons, I used to get water from the whale, and they <laughs> thought she would get water from a whale. Yeah, not a blue really whale. A, a well. A well in the dirt 100 feet down, right? And so, and I was the first one to ever go to college, ever, 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 ever. So what kind of... What kind of perspective on poverty mindset and like having more and it's okay to have more do you think that I may have mm-hmm. and have had to work through? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. A lot. A lot. That's a good bit, well, right? at least you had running water. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, this is, again, this is more information. I feel like you were going to say something. Were you going to say something? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know. So uh, in this, obviously gathering more information, it's important. History is important to look at. And I want to go over four questions to help you navigate because sometimes what we do do in families and relationships, we get new information, get a new insight, a new wisdom or something, and we go, you. (laughs) That was you through all of grad school. I learned about malingering today. You malinger, <laughs> Melanie. You're you, the worst. You had, you had every... I had every problem. So did I, basically. So we're like, oh, great. We have everything in the DSM-4 TR at the time. Text revision, by the way. Uh, don't do that, mm-hmm. okay? Well, want... and can I, like, push push pause really quick and push say, pause. like, we want to help you identify things in your family of origin in more detail by using a genogram. So re- remember, like, we're talking about you're looking at your family tree. You're you're assessing like was there alcoholism? Were there cut off relationships? Were people literally like thrown out of the family? Like you're not allowed back. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, were like were there conflictual relationships? Were there hyper close relationships? Like too close? Like that? Like that's not appropriate. The level at the, which these people communicate, right? Um, all of those kinds of things, so that you can better assess why you do what you do and right. why your parents do what they do and why your sister or your aunt or your uncle or whatever. But um, what, why'd you tap my leg? Because there is also information. So one well, of the my I'm not hold on saying something important. You must just okay. Go ahead, man. Like you don't need to speak, woman. Let me speak. I did not do that. You might as well have. Uh, But again, you're taking in all of this data about your family and we want you to be able to use it beneficially, not weaponize it. And Mm -hmm. that's what often happens. What Seth is alluding to is that you learn something new, especially about family, and then you want to like pull it out like it's a knife and like slice your family into shreds. And that's not going to be helpful. So we have questions that we want to ask you so that you don't do that. Because a lot of people do that and we know that the holidays are coming up. You've got Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatever the other things are that are happening around this time of Mm -hmm. year, New Year's parties. And what we don't want to have happen 
as you'd be like, oh yeah, well you you clearly haven't listened to Anatomy of Us where they talk about differentiation and triangulation, you idiot. No wonder mom never talks to you. I, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like stuff like that. That mean me. You have a conflictual relationship and alcohol abuse. No wonder. Like I'd cut you off too, just like dad did, loser. <laughs> right. yeah, don't, say, that. don't say that stuff. And the, the other thing I wanted to add, which is very important. Again, the more information we gather about, okay, this will give me information about, say, my dad's or my mom's relationship with their mom and dad, with their grandma and Mm -hmm. grandpa. And I can go, oh, I know why dad did or didn't do that Mm -hmm. thing in relationship to me. Mm -hmm. It can be like an empathy practice. it It can give me more context of, oh, well, my my mom has never known how to show me love in a real way and woe is me and I feel like crap. Oh, I wonder why. Through the genogram, her mom cut her off right. when she was 10 years old. Right. Wow. I bet that hurt like hell. Mm-hmm. Who am I mm-hmm. to judge my own mom and blame her when it happened to her? Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And so this is also an exercise in grace right. as we learn more. And I guarantee you, like I t- when I spoke a minute ago, you will see your parenting style, how you were parented, reflect in your own parenting style towards your own kids. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your mom. You know what you have the opportunity to do? Heal that mm-hmm. for yourself. Some people can't. Th- this came up in grad school when we were doing through all this Somebody had like some major issue and it was like, I can't talk to my, mm-hmm. I, I, it would, it would be, you can't repair it. it. You I can can't heal repair it, but you can't repair it. Well, I can heal myself, yeah. but I can't heal that because it's just like too dangerous. Right. They're toxic. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not saying go and try to do that, but a healthy person makes healthy families and healthy kids and healthy mm-hmm. societies. You know what I'm saying? So say that there's, I learned through the genogram, like, oh yeah, my mom treated me very poorly or didn't give me this or that or attachment style, whatever, whatever, because her mom cut her off. Okay, I can either be very toxic myself and very upset at that, or I can go, you know what? Mom has showed me enough times that she loves me and she was doing the best she could with what she had at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think as parents, we want to always give our kids more than we had, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially stuff. And, but oftentimes we can't give what we didn't get or we can't give what we don't have. Mm -hmm. So through this genogram, I can go, yes, I have never had that, but I do have the tools, resources, and insights to go get it. And because I love my kids and I want to do better and stop the cycle of Mm -hmm. this right now, I can go find that healing. Mm -hmm. You you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this is another area where the genogram can like open up so many doors. And like Melanie was saying, do not freak out. Do not weaponize this in any way, because then that only leads you farther away from differentiation. Right. And, and one that's of, not yeah. what we want. One of the things that we talk about in women's group coaching a lot uh, that I think is really helpful for people to kind of hear. And it's interesting because my mom said this to me after listening to parts of like, she has listened to our show forever. Oh no, um, I don't think she listens now, but like when we <laughs> started season one, she would listen to all the episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was talking to me about this idea of like, man, I wish, cause my mom, reads all the time she loves to watch like oprah and shows that are like helpful and they Mm -hmm. teach you stuff but she's like this stuff didn't exist when Mm -hmm. we were in raising kids when Mm -hmm. we were you know in our 20s and 30s like this crap wasn't around there weren't podcasts there weren't the youtube didn't exist 
to get a book was not as simple as like, oh, and I downloaded it on my iPhone because iPhones didn't exist, right. right? And so I want the to... The internet didn't exist. Yeah. And I want to really highlight that our parents, generally speaking, were much more under-resourced than we are. Mm-hmm. They did not have the information that we have. Literally didn't know it. And the and a lot of the research wasn't even done. You know, like PTSD is relatively new. Did you know that? Fairly. I mean, in World War II, they call it shell shock and stuff mm-hmm. because that was the language that they had yeah, for it. But, but like shell shock, like in fact, okay, here's another genogram thing. In World War One, mm-hmm. my World I don't War One. Yeah, in you know, early nineteen hundreds, right? Um my British side of the family, one of my great grandpas was in World War One, and he got gassed and shell-shocked, and nothing was the same for him, my grandmother's father, mm-hmm. after that. But they didn't have language for it? No. They didn't it's know like, oh, what... Oh, he, he isolates and sometimes drinks a yeah. lot. Oh, because he saw horrific things. Okay. Yeah. PTSD, a.k.a. shell-shock. There wasn't... There, there certainly wasn't treatment for mm-hmm. it. There was drinking. That was the treatment. Yeah. It's just... It's very... Um, once you start researching and looking into how new, in air quotes, some of these uh, diagnoses even are. It's really shocking, and you can have a lot more empathy for your parents Mm -hmm. or even your grandparents or people who raised you, people you were around, because they did not have the resources that we have. Not available even in just sort of like layman's terms. Yeah, you could have found it, but you'd have to go to like some crazy, you know, university and and know how to read like a professor, which... Only professors know how to do that. Persephor. <laughs> Persephor. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to sort of like pop that into there. Don't weaponize this stuff. Don't immediately think that like your parents could have done better. Like if they knew better, they would do better. Right. But they don't. They didn't. Right. So, so give them some grace. Peeps. Yeah. So here was some of the questions that we wanted to ask. Um, so after you've done your genogram and you've looked at your family tree and you've looked at like, is there addiction? Was there a death? Is there a, what was the... Um, was there an estranged relationship or a cutoff or a conflictual, whatever? And you've looked at all these things and you go, number one, how does this knowledge change the way that I see my family or myself? Mm-hmm. So why is that an important question to ask yourself? Because it goes back to the grace things like, oh, I learned all this. Now I see my family is just a bunch of losers who drank all the time. Or if I have a different context of, I see my family who went through a ton of unbelievable stuff mm-hmm. that no family should have to go through and they did the best they could with what they knew, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, you can even look at it this way. Uh, they did what they had to do and I'm here because of it, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. there is some element of like, I mean, uh, there in, in Indian country, I've been in different circles and the grandmas would say, your ancestors prayed you into these seats, mm-hmm. prayed you into the time. And I like, you know, I got cold chills the first time I heard that because it's like, Oh, no matter what they were going through, all the bad stuff, they still were present and aware enough to like have you mm-hmm. and like you're here because of them kind of thing. So there is a piece of grace that I would like to see appreciated or at least highlighted in in most of those cases. Um, but let's see, how does this knowledge change the way that I see my family or myself? You can go, oh, they didn't give up. Mm-hmm. Although it was really terrible, 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 terrible. And maybe they did give up a couple times when it, but they didn't ultimately give up. Mm -hmm. And that is why I'm here. Right. right? So you can look back and go, Oh, okay. Gratitude. Mm, Okay. Maybe just maybe my dad or mom or grandma or grandpa did the best they could with what they Mm -hmm. had. Wow. What if I was in their shoes? 
Right. When I've crumbled, when I've given up. I often think too, like sometimes, not even sometimes, a lot of times, especially if you're an adult with children now, if some major crisis happened in your family, you're not going to blab to your kid about it. You're going to try to protect them from that information because Mm. it could be harmful. So I want to just present this idea that some families walk through really traumatizing things and a, like as you become an adult, you look back and go, why didn't they say anything? Right. Why didn't they whatever? Why did they hide that from me? Because you were like 10 or seven and it would not <laughs> it have been okay. Right. Like, okay, after you, so we had a two-year-old, Mariner was like two, no, Mariner was like 18 months, right? Um, when we were going through really hard times, Tuff was just born, mm-hmm. so they were still too young to know anything was going on. But say like, you know, oh, Mariner's five, we tell, hey, mama punched daddy in the face and they almost got divorced and wanted to kill themselves and kill each other. Hmm. Is that the right thing to do? No. Of course not. Right. Now, because of the podcast and all the work that we've done, they know mm-hmm. mama gave daddy a black eye and we went through some really hard times and now we're thriving because of it. And we, we have a growth through, mindset. Yeah, we're we doing all this stuff. We through it and stuff. But yeah, it's ages and stages. So yeah. I'm saying that literally because I think a lot of people look back. We work with clients like this. People will be like, my parents did this thing and that. And then you go, wait a second, let's zoom out and think about the fact that your parents were like adults and you were a child and they were trying to protect you. And so maybe them not telling you why they stopped talking to Auntie Lindsay or whatever was be- <laughs> we use like <laughs> real people's one of names. Our friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, it's the only name I can think of. But um, you know what I mean? Like the, it's not because you're so dumb and they hate you. It's like they're trying to protect this really complex system from falling apart. Mm-hmm. So to allow complexity in, as you think about this question, how does this knowledge change the way that I see my family or myself? Like allow for that complexity. Mm-hmm. Don't weaponize or demonize anything. And think about it this way. If the parents are trying to do the best that they can, that is stressful. Oh gosh. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. So yeah. they are trying to do the best that they can to keep it together, not mm-hmm. to lose their brain. I've worked with so many moms mostly moms in that way. They're just like, listen, you don't even know. I'm like, well, I do know because we're therapist client relationship. Right. So I know all this stuff right. and they are doing the best they can to just hold it together. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, and the kid is going to be mad, you know, 10 years later because you weren't talking about mm-hmm. your multiple traumas at the time. No. Yeah. It's like, Hey, or like, uh, you know, some sort of horrendous thing happens and now like, your kid can't go over to somebody's house, but your kid only interprets it as why did you make me not go Mom's to so-and-so's house? And it's like, no, that actually wasn't safe for you, right. but I couldn't have told you because I didn't want to like shame this person and all of the things. So there's mm-hmm. so many, so many factors. Um, and even we've lived through these things in our own raising kids and yeah. all of that stuff. So uh, that was question number one. So question number two, is this knowledge helpful or harmful? Mm-hmm. Like, does this knowledge help me know? And, and that's kind of a choice, I say. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like, did this help me or hurt me? I think it's more of, Will will I allow this stuff to be helpful moving forward? So Mm -hmm. maybe it's, ooh, I discover that there's loads of depression in all of my family. Now, I could either look at that and be like, see, destined to be depressed. Nothing I can do about it. It's all over. Or I could say, hmm, I should really put in systems that are like antidepressant in nature. I should get antidepressants. I should make sure that I'm walking and doing all the, taking the vitamins, doing all of the things to avoid that. Because it's so prevalent in my family line. That makes yeah. sense. Number three, what helpful and proactive things can I do with this new information that does not include telling someone in my family? Uh, yeah, that last part is very much intentional. So you might learn something new and then want to turn around and go tell your brother or your sister or your mm-hmm. aunt or whatever, like why they're so messed up. 
I highly recommend that you don't. Right. And if you are struggling, well, I mean, go to betterhelp.com forward slash us to talk to a therapist. Uh, email me with like if I have any recommendations for therapy or whatnot. Get in groups, women's group coaching mm-hmm. or Baddest Husband Mastermind. You can't do this alone. So if you go through this exercise, which again is meaning to be educational in nature, growing your knowledge about who you are in your family context so you can do better. Mm-hmm. You know, you might most likely learn some hurtful mm-hmm. stuff that could be harmful. You know what I'm saying? If you let it, like Melanie said, if you let it. Now, if it's if you feel overwhelmed, which a lot of my grad students we're like, oh my gosh, you know, and I even felt overwhelmed. I'm like, what? 18, like drug, what, what is this? Who am I? Where did I come from? Oh my goodness, what's going on, right? That is a lot to process. I highly, highly suggest you don't process it alone. Yeah. Get with a therapist. Mm-hmm. Get with someone you trust. Maybe, uh, I don't know, people in a small group that you're in. I mean, hello, mastermind groups that we have are key areas that you can process that and walk through some mm-hmm. of this stuff. With, uh, but you, you you can't you can't do it alone. And remember, this is growing you, right? And what is the deal with growth? Sometimes it hurts, right? Right. And I think I want to really point out that when we try to process these things by ourselves, like, or even just with a spouse, we are too close to it. We can't see the forest for the trees or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Like you're in it too close, you can't see it. You don't have a sort of unbiased perspective because you are potentially the person that was deeply hurt by this thing Mm -hmm. that you're discovering or whatever, or a family member was deeply hurt by it that you love and all that jazz. And so one of the benefits of being in a group or going, having an outside party, so like a better help counselor or being in women's group coaching or the badass husband mastermind is that you have this outside perspective that not only can help you see things more clearly, but one of my favorite things about doing groups is that they help you realize that you're not crazy. Like the way you feel about something, that's mm-hmm. not abnormal or crazy to feel that way, but also they help you get unstuck. They will help you like reframe that. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, I know you walked through this thing, but you're not taking into account these other factors. And if you take these factors into account, does it change how you see it? And does it change what you decide to do with this information? So there's, I just can't talk enough about the power of being in a group. And mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, we talk about this all the time, but this is Foovember. This is what we're doing in our groups right now. So every single day in women's group coaching, we have a prompt, a daily prompt, asking a Foo-oriented question. So literally 31 questions about your family of origin. We're talking about them in Discord every single day, and the women are talking to one another. They're sharing stories of, oh, this thing happened to me or that thing happened to me, and and this is how I interpret it, and this is how I can interpret it moving forward so that it's life-giving instead of you know, making me feel terrible or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I really just encourage you to join our groups, go to anatomyofus.com. You'll find the links to all of our groups there, but Mm -hmm. um, there is nothing like being in community when you are going through this stuff because we all have walked through these things, but no one talks about it. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, okay. Last one, number four, and I'm changing this up on you Mm -hmm. because we kind of hit the other ones. Yeah. Accountability, Mm -hmm. right? Doing the genogram, looking at your foo, talking about it, this can give you the opportunity to have personal and individual accountability like you've never had before, right? So again, when I did the thing, looked at all this stuff, okay, how have I been influenced by my family history, et cetera, et cetera, I had a choice. Can I blame mom, dad, auntie, uncle, or all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Or can I go, wait a minute, this is something to look at. 
how can I exhibit mm-hmm. and practice personal accountability? Because mm-hmm. guess where it changes? Guess, guess where the buck stops? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> the buck stops here, right? So if you want to make these changes and you learn all this stuff, is it your responsibility for me to go process like all the drugs and stuff? You know, is it process all the drugs? <laughs> yeah. Is, is it your responsibility to change my uh, growth mindset around upper limit problems around money and no. a poverty mindset? Whose responsibility is it? Yours. When will it change when that happens? I mean, w- me having accountability, that's when it will change, mm-hmm. you yes. know, personal accountability. And then, of course, you talking about the groups mm-hmm. outside accountability. The thing about accountability, oftentimes people say, hey, man, you got to keep me, keep me on my toes on this, okay? Keep me accountable Like for people, whatever. people yeah. think that's accountability. It's like, oh, what I just did, I basically handed you my trash and say, you go to the dump. <laughs> here. Oh, I took care of it. Hey, get rid of the trash. Uh, we're, uh, here, you. You do it. Yeah. Understand what I'm saying? Now, mm-hmm. you can invite people like, hey, I am taking personal accountability on this. I'm going to like set reminders or check-ins and stuff with you to let you know my progress. Mm-hmm. Are you open to hearing that and giving me feedback mm-hmm. and kicking ass when needed when I come to you first? Mm-hmm. You cool with that? Yes or no? If you say no, you're out of the mastermind. Yeah. <laughs> if you say yes, then that's the type of people I need in my life, right? right? right. So personal accountability. That is not blaming your mom, mm-hmm. your dad, your siblings, your this, this, and this. What you can do is process that grief or upsetness or any kind of feelings you have around it, but in no way, shape, or form are you allowed, are we allowed ever to go, I'm like this because of you. Mm-hmm. It is your fault. And we're working with one of our kids on this. You know, it's mm-hmm. like just they say the craziest stuff. Well, I would have made good grades if you would have gotten me ice cream last night, but right. it put me in a bad mood and I didn't care about homework and I yelled at the teacher. I'm like, what? Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't say that, of course, but I'm like, hold on. Let's, I mean, we just got our boys alarm clocks, you know, maybe a little bit late, but their job is to wake up and set their alarms and get to school. That is teaching them personal responsibility, personal accountability and stuff. So it starts with you, you guys, and that is another step on your personal path to differentiation. Mm-hmm. Differentiation of self, which we're going to continue to talk about in Foovember. You guys are going to learn so much. I'm going to relearn a bunch of stuff and get jazzed about it because I'm like, oh, yeah, this stuff is tight. This stuff works. This is great. So I'm excited for you guys. You're welcome. Yes, it's going to be awesome. So we continue to, like like you said, we're going to talk about a bunch of this stuff as we continue through Foovember. Mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you, again, do not weaponize any of these things. Don't take this knowledge and turn it into an argument, even with your spouse or your kids or your parents or your grandparents or anything. It's not going to be helpful. They're not on your journey. Mm-hmm. So I want you to really recognize that, that they're not on your journey. They don't listen to our show, potentially. So don't assume that they're going to understand when you come flinging this hot gravy at them. They're not going to know what it means. Hot gravy. There you mm-hmm. go. Uh, hot mashed potatoes. Is hot really mashed potatoes. So you guys, we want you uh, to get help on this stuff. Highly, highly encourage you to go to anatomyofus.com. Click on the groups tab. You see all that we have to offer, mm-hmm. coaching, different PDFs and stuff, and especially the men's mastermind group and the women's group coaching. Mm-hmm. It'll change your life. The relationships being formed in there are super sick and awesome. And let me just tell you a side note. We are doing our second live event for Badass Husband Mastermind Group, and we are going to Salt Lake City Brighton Resort We in January. So we're going to be mm-hmm. snowboarding. We're going to be skiing. We're going to like 
have some um, uh, teaching sessions as well. <laughs> I heard and tea. We're going to have some tea. Maybe some tea after a cold day on the slopes. A little tea and hot chocolate. The S slopes. That's right. So that's just a, a preview into what you get when you join these groups. And um, yeah, we would love to see you guys in there. All right. Happy fooing. Have a wonderful day. We love you. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Anatomy of Us. This podcast is produced by my mom, Melanie Studley, and hosted by my dad, Seth Studley. Our show is edited and published by our producer, Reba Hansen, from Creative Media Support. Special thanks to our Patreon members that get an extra episode every week. Thanks for watching. Love you. Bye. Bye.